The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. starting on the second line. Just to review, we had a very important machloket in our Mishnah. Uh, between uh, the Shittot of Tarakama and Rabbi Yehuda, uh, which is actually a machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, how many uh, judges were involved in the mitzvah of Igla Arufa? According to Rabbi Yehuda, it was five, <coughs> and according to Rabbi Shimon, it was three. And they were donesh from the words, Zekenecha. And Shofetecha. So these are plural words, so that's where they were Dores from. So the Gemara says, Elamehata, according to this reasoning, Viyatsi'u Shenayim, Umadidu Shenayim, which means in the Perasha itself of the Igla Arufa, the Pasuk says that the judges will go out. So therefore you should be Doresh also. Viyatsi'u, another two. Umadidu, and they will measure. Well, that's another two as well. That's Shanaim. So therefore, you have four additional. So therefore, the Biyuda had a Kantisha. So when you add those four, so according to the Biyuda, you can add up of nine. Five plus four. The Rabbi Shimon had a Kantisha. According to the Shimon, you'll have seven. Those words already we need for a different derasha that we learned in the Brayta. Which means the judges that are going to go out to do the measuring between the two cities, they must go out themselves and not send out their messenger. And they are going to measure. Which is even though it was clear and evident that it was closer to one of the two cities. Doesn't matter. Even though they could just visually look at it, it's clear. Still, they must go out and measure. Why? Because it is a mitzvah to involve oneself in the actual measuring itself. So those words are used, so that we do not include those words to add more judges. Comes again and says, Matnitin de Ezer ben Yaakov, which is Amishnah that said that the Sanhedrin themselves, the rabbis of the Sanhedrin, they do the judging, and it doesn't, you don't need a Melech for this, you don't need a Kohen Gadol either. This must not be like the Bili Ezer ben Yaakov. Fine, when it says Zekenecha, it's referring to the rabbis of the Sanhedrin. Shofetecha, but when it says Shofetecha in the Pasuk, Zemelech ve Kohen Gadol. 
which means that's referring that the king was also involved in the process and the procedure as well as the Kohen Gadol. Now, how does the word Shofetecha refer to a Melech or Kohen Gadol? Melech, Dichtiv Melech B'Mishpat Ya'amid Ya'amid Aris. So the Torah or the Pasuk refers to a king. It says Melech B'Mishpat, right? The king is involved in justice. So therefore, Shofetech is referring to a king. Kohen Gadol Dichtiv Ubata El Akohanim Alvim Ve'El Shofet Asher Yeh. So therefore, it says that you will come to the Kohanim Alvim and the Shofet Asher Yeh. Now, who is the Shofet over the Kohanim? The Shofet over the Kohanim is indeed the Kohen Gadol. So therefore you see that according to the Bidiyazim and Yaakov, besides the Sanhedrin that we learned from Zekenecha, you also needed the Melech and the Kohen Gadol involved in the process. So comes the Gebaran and says, Ibai, we have a question. The Bidiyazim and Yaakov, Bemelech the Kohen Gadol, who the Padigam? The argument is the Gebed, the Melech and the Kohen Gadol. That what? The Bilei Ezebun Yaakov says, you need them involved in the procedure. Whereas the Bishamon and the Bi Yehuda say, no. But when it comes to the Sanhedrin, how many rabbis does he hold? How many Sanhedrin do you need? Could be he'll agree to either the Bi Yehuda that you need five, or the Bishamon that you need three. Or Dilma, or maybe Sanhedrin, or maybe he argues and says that you need the entire Sanhedrin. Because when it says Zekenecha, maybe it means the entire Sanhedrin. From the story of a Zakin Mamre. Now, Zakin Mamre is a Hakam that gets a Psak from the Sanhedrin and he argues on the Psak and does opposite what they tell him. So it says, which means, let's say the Zakin Mamre, this rebellious scholar. Let's say he found the Sanhedrin, Abefagi, that is a place within the walls of Jerusalem, but it is not actually uh, the Harabite. It's not where the Sanhedrin usually sit. And he rebelled against them over there. I mean, he saw them outside of their offices, and he asked them a question, and he did not follow their ruling. He followed his own ruling. So it says, is his rebellion a rebellion, which means to make him as a kin mamre, and therefore bind him to the laws that he has to bring korbanot, and he's hayav mita, I'm sorry, he's hayav mita, in such a case, he's a kin mamre, tamudomar vechamta ve'alita il hamakom, melamed shamakom gorem, which means the only time that he gets considered to be a Zakin Mamre, it has to be in the makom, which is the harabayit, which means it has to be in the azarat, it's next to the... Uh, that's in the Shkata Gazit, I'm sorry, that's the offices of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Gebra says, Denafuk Kama. Now, it says you found the Sanhedrin outside the offices. Well, how many Sanhedrin do you find? How many rabbis did you find? If, let's say, you only found some of them. Let's say you found ten uh, rabbis outside the Sanhedrin's office. Which means, just because he rebelled against, let's say, ten, maybe the other sixty-one that are back will agree with him. So if he came because I can remember if you only rebelled against the minority of the Oh, so it must be talking about where all the Sanhedrin were out of their offices in this place called Befageh. What were they doing out of their offices? If let's say they were just going out voluntarily, are they allowed to all go out? The Pasuk says, Now this Pasuk is referring to the Sanhedrin. Now, the way that she explains to us this Pasuk, we're reading in the first column of Rashi. 
First word on the line, like in the middle of the first column, Shorech, Zesan Hidrin, Shiyoshevet Betibura Shel Eris Yisrael. They sit in the middle, the center of Eris Yisrael. Agana Sahar Shasuin Kahti Lebanah. They sit in a formation like a half a moon. Agula Beshurat Yishivatan Kedesh Yukulan Doin Zesan. So everybody is able to see each other. Hamazik. That is the pasuk that we need. Mazik is from the Nazon Meziga. So when a person, let's say, makes Meziga on the wine to dilute it, so you put two thirds water. One third wine. So the pasuk says regarding the senedin, al yasad hamazig. That means all the senedin are not allowed to leave. Two thirds may be allowed to leave, but you always have to leave at least one third back at the senedin, which means you always have to have at least twenty three rabbis, which is let's say one third of the senedin back at the lishkat gazit. Sheim nitzah. We read the gemara. Sheim nitzah. That's it. If let's say one of them wants to leave the harabayit, the lishkat gazit, he has to check before he leaves. Yes, if let's say there's 23 rabbis that are staying behind, which is a small Sanhedrin, uh, which is a third of a large Sanhedrin, because the large Sanhedrin, let's say, is uh, 71, so let's say a third of that is about uh, 23. But if not, he cannot go out. Which means it is impossible that all the Sanhedrin were out voluntarily. You always have to leave somebody back. Oh, so therefore, it must be the whole entire Sanhedrin went out for a sorech of a mitzvah. Now, for a mitzvah, they can all go out. Lemaina, which mitzvah would need all the Sanhedrin to leave their offices? Lahav the medidat egla. Must be, it's to measure the situation of egla. Out of how they find the corpse between two cities. Did it be the eyes of Yaakov? Now we have proved that this shitaz be the eyes of Yaakov. That says, when it says zekenecha, it means all these Sanhedrin are needed for this procedure. So that's the Yosef now maybe all the rabbis went out for a different mitzvah let's say to add or to make an extension to the city of Jerusalem or let's say to expand the courtyards of the Beit HaMikdash which means you cannot sanctify an annex of the city of Jerusalem or to sanctify the Courtyards of the Beit Hamikdash with Kushat Azara, Ela Bebetin Shashivim Vehad. You need seventy one. So therefore, you have no raya that it means all the Sanhedrin. Tanya Kibatid Rabbi Yosef. But we do have a brayta to support Rabbi Yosef. Because what does the brayta say? Mitzaan Abet Fagev Himla Alein. If let's say it's a Ken Mamlet. Found the rabbis of the Sanhedrin outside the area of the offices, Abifagit, which is within the walls of Jerusalem, but outside the Nishkat Gazit. Kegon. Oh, now the Brighta says, Shiyatsu Limdidat Egla. Aha, they went out in order to measure the Egla Rufat. That's an ayah right away for Rabbi Yosef that says that according to Bil Azim and Yaakov, all the rabbis of the Sanhedrin were needed. To measure all the osif ala ayir va azarot, or let's say to add to the uh, to extend the walls, uh, the the the, uh, the city of Jerusalem va ala azarot or the azarot yachol te amra to amra ah. Do you think that such a zakin that rebels against Sanhedrin when they're outside of the offices is his rebellion going to be a rebellion? Tamud lomar mechamta va which means only when he's in the place which is the Rishkat but what do you see you see a bright over supporting Rabbi Yosef that according to me you need not only the Menech not only the Kohen Gadol involved in the process but you also need the entire Sanhedrin so because we have a three way amongst the Tanaim over here according to the Behuda you need five rabbis according to the Bishimon three according to 
according to the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, you need all 71. Now, Mishnah, Nimsa tamun begal o talui be'ilan, lo hayu orfin. We said, if let's say you found the corpse buried under rubble, tamun begal o talui o hanging, let's say from a tree, so there was no egla arufa. So comes the Gemara and says, Le ma'matitim let us say, our Mishnah that said from the word Adama, that's written by the egla arufa, so it's mashma that it's under Adama on top of the ground, as opposed to, let's say, hidden. We must say that our Mishnah is, or let us say that our Mishnah is a biudahi, velora banan. <coughs> Why? Because we have a similar mahlukat regarding the laws of shikhah. Shekhah is, let's say, the farmer is in the field and he forgets a certain bundle of wheat, storks of wheat, on the ground, so the law is anima able to come and take it. So it's Pasuk says, the Tanya we have a Omer Basadeh. So it says, and the owner will forget, the Omer, that's the measurement of wheat, let's say he forgets it in the field. Basadeh. So for the fact that it says Basadeh, it's that the forgetting is when the, the wheat is on top of the surface of the field. Prat le Tamun. Coming to exclude Tamun, which means the laws of Shekha do not apply to something that is covered. That when it says basadeh, that means not only in the field itself, even even what's under, even uh, coming to include the tamun. Now, so therefore, according to this, our mishnah must be the biudak. Our mishnah comes to exclude Tamun. Now according to the Banan, just like you told me that the word Basadeh means even what's under the field, which hidden. So when it says Adama by Egla'arufa must be also even what is Tamun. But Amishnah comes to exclude Tamun, something that's hidden. So therefore it must be according to the Biyudah, that just like by Omer, if it is Tamun, if it's hidden, if it's under, if it's under something, it's Patur, it's not, it's not a law of Shekha, so too by Egla'arufa, if the that body, the corpse, is covered underneath something, so it does not have a law of Iglaru Fasu, the Mishnah is the Biuda. Amaravafilu Rabbanan. You can even say that the rabbis will agree that there's no law of Tamun by Iglaru Fasu. Which means you have to learn each Pasuk, whether it's the Pasuk by Iglaru or the Pasuk by Shikha, you have to learn it according to its context. How? By Iglarufa Dikhtiv, Kiyimase Halal. Now, it says in the, in the, in the Pasuk of Iglarufa, you'll find a corpse. Now, from that, with those words alone, Hechad Mishtakah, no matter how you find it. Which means whether you find it open in the field, or you find it in a, under rubble, which means from that Pasuk of it, it says Kiyimase Halal, Smashma, you find the corpse any which way. Ba'adama, so what do, you, what do you need the word Adama? What is the word Adama coming to tell me? Ah, so must Adama prat tamun. That's what the rabbis come along and say, the Adama must come to exclude something that we just included, meaning it's coming to exclude that if it is tamun, if it is hidden. Ba'adama, by the case of Shekham and Yanidikra, Tikhtiv ki tiksor ketsidecha besadecha veshachata omer, when you'll be cutting the uh, grains, let's say, from your field, and you'll forget the omer in the, in, in, in the sadeh. Now, Shekha dumyad ketsir, when it talks about Shekha, it says in the pasuki tiksor, that's at the time of the cutting. Just like the cutting is done what's on the surface of the field. You cut the wheat that's on the surface of the field. So when it says shikha also must be only types of stalks that are on the surface of the field. Ah, katab rahmana basadeh. So why does the pasuk come along and tell me sadeh? Lerabot at the tamun to come and tell me not only what's on the surface like kitzir, like the cutting, but even what is tamun. So therefore, the rabbis are coming along to say 
that what? We could agree by that the law of Tamun does not apply. Because initially everything was included. Because initially by halal, any halal, any, any type of a corpse, even if it's under rubble. So that's why it comes along and says, Ba'adama. So Adama is coming to come in to exclude and tell me prat the tamun. Mashiachan by Shekha it's coming to tell me when it says in the pasuk kitikzot tzidicha besadeh. So I would say maybe only Shekha that's similar to kitzira that's on the surface of the fields, like the cutting is on the surface of the fields. So that's why when it says the word Adama or sorry besadeh, besadeh comes to include and come and tell me even tamus. Even the rabbis will admit the laws of tamun do not apply by. Comes the and says, What do you mean? According to the Biyudah that says that if the, if the if the wheat or the omit is tamun, it is hidden under the ground, so it's <clears throat> patur from shikha, which means why did you come along? According to Rabbi Yudah, the Biudah is the Shita that says what? That by Omer The Biudah is the Shita that said by Omer So that comes to exclude Tamun That what? That the laws of Shekha do not Apply because it says in the field basade, which is mashma only on top of the field. So comes the Gemara and says, "What do you mean? Tipo claim is shechadum yakitekatsir, which means why don't you learn it from the fact that it says shechadum yakitekatsir, just like the katsir is above the field. That's what you cut. So to the shechha as well, which means what did you need a special derashar biyuda that you came along and said uh, from the word sade? That sade tells me it's got to be on top." Maybe you can just learn it from Shekhatum Yad Katsir, just like the Katsiraz on top of the field. So to the Shekhat, what did you need another Dirashat for? What was the matter with the Simichut? You're right, that's where he does learn it from. What does the Biudah do with the word Sadeh? Which is if you're learning the exclusion of Tamun from the fact that it has to be like Katsir, so what do you learn with the, what do you use with the word Sadeh for? That comes and tells me that even if, let's say, the farmer forgot. Let's say stalks of wheat that are attached. Which is not only if he forgot, let's say, stuff that he cut, but even things that are attached, but it's still attached to the field. The Pasuk says, He's not allowed to go back and take it, he has to leave it for the anim. How do rabbis know this law? That that if you forgot, let's say, stalks attached to the ground, that you have to leave them for the anim. Then says the fact that it says that in your field and you will forget. So the fact that it connects these two words together, it's much even if you forget while they are still in your field, while they are still attached. So what does the Biudah do with that derashav? Kitsidecha besadecha that connection. An interesting case. That's coming to exclude the word Sadecha, that what only when the Shekha is in your field. But let's say a wind came and blew some of your stalks from your field to your friend's field. And now they're lying into your friend's field. And therefore, he doesn't know that there is. He thinks that, that there is uh, friends. So therefore he leaves them. But that's not Shekha. 
to teach me only when this comes in your field as opposed to let's say so wheat flew the wind blew it into somebody else's field that's not going to be considered shikhah because it is not in sadiqah but a banan that used the word sadiqah to come along and say even if the wheat is in the field itself the law of shikhah applies how do they know the law of that if it's somebody else's field there's no law of shikhah let's say it goes into somebody else's field so comes the Gemara and says which means the Torah could have just written from the fact that it said so we come and learn that it's got to be in your field however which means from the word itself I could learn it's got to be, even if it's in the field that's even if it's in the field itself the law of shikha applies the word sadiqa the extra kaf teaches me only in your field as opposed to your friend's field. He's not Doresh, the extra Chaf. And therefore, from Sadeh, he learns Shechat Kama, and therefore, he doesn't have a Dirasha uh, for uh, Tamun, and therefore he holds, in uh, a he learned from the Semichut, the fact that it said in the, in the thing, V'Shakachta, Omer, uh, it says, Actually, the full pasuk said, That is, Dumyad Kitzi is on top of the ground, so too the Shekha is on top of the ground, that's the Biudah, that is Poter Tamun. And even the rabbis that say Tamun applies in the case of Omer, even if the Omer is covered, it applies, but they will agree by La'arufa that if the body is Tamun, there is no law. Comes the Gemara has a question by David Safui Omarim Letoch Sadehu. Now, which means, let's say you have bundles of wheat, right? The laws of Shikha. So it says like this, Safu Omarim Letoch Sadehu. But they were not touching the field. For example, let's say these stalks were lying on a rock or on a beam of some sort. Or let's say they were lying on other stalks, which means it's not mamash on the sadeh. Mao, which means there's a law of shikha apply. Now what's the she'ila? Avir sadeh ke sadeh dameh or naf ke sadeh dameh. How do you look at the airspace of a field? Does the airspace of a field like a field or not? Amal raf kanal raf papiv amal raf kanal raf zvid. We can learn it from what Rabbi Al-Azhar said. Right? We came along and said that we have the Pasuk of Sadiqah that comes and teaches me that there's no law of Shikha if they are floating in somebody else's field. Now from the fact that he said, Safu Omarim, it's mash, but they're not on the friend's field, mamash, but they're lying on something in the friend's field. Only because it's the friend's field. So it says, the Havero In, which is, there's no law of Shikha on somebody else's field. They talk, Sadehu, law, but if it's even floating on his own field, could be the law of Shikha, is going to apply. So the Gabras Vilitamech, Le Tok Sadeh Havero. When you're going to come and tell me that if it's in Sadeh Havero, only if it's floating, Safu In, Munahim, but if they're, let's say, sitting on the ground of his friend's field, you're going to tell me that what? That there is a law of shikha? Can't be. And it doesn't apply, which means in the friend's field, it shouldn't matter whether it's floating on a rock or it's sitting on the field itself. Bottom line, it's not your field. When it's in somebody else's field, which means the wheat blew to somebody else's field. 
even if they are sitting on the field mamash the reason why it said they're floating in the air which means they flew not that they're floating in the field which means the wind flew, blew to pick them up and they flew into somebody else's uh, field but in a if they're floating even in uh, 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 the person's field himself, could be he'll be patur from the Lord Shekhar. The only reason why I said safu, because that's what happens, they float and they go to somebody else's field. But in a who I if they were munach, he'll be patur in somebody else's field. But who knows? Maybe safu in, maybe when they're floating on something else in, in the guy's field himself, maybe he'll also be patur. So you have no ra'ayah. So comes again and says, Tashema, bring your ra'ayah from a brighter. Omer, she'azik bo lehodikholai. Let's say a guy took uh, Omer. Uh, owner, he took a certain amount of stalks in order to bring it, uh, let's say, from his field to the city. So he put two stalks on top of each other. Now one measure over another measure. And now he forgot. He forgot them. He forgot them in the field. So he piled them together to take them from the field uh, to the city. Now there's one stalk over another stalk. And he forgot. So it's So the bottom stalks are considered shekha, which you have to leave them for the anim. But not the top. Rabbi Shimon says both of them are not The bottom one, because it is tamun. Like we learned to coin to the Biyuda, that tamun is patur by shekha. And the top one, because it's not on the field anymore, it's floating, it's on top of another stalk. Now, which is the whole mahluk, it is by the bottom one, which means do you consider it tamun or not? You see according to everybody, which means in this bright over here, according to Tanakaman, everybody agrees that the top stalk is not considered shekha. Why? Because it is not on the ground mamash, it is on another uh, piece of wheat. Comes the Gevara and says, No, Shaniatam Kevan de Ahazikbe Zachabe. No, the reason why there's no Shekha in that case is not because of Tzaf, not because it's floating. Because over there, the Bala Bayit, he picked them up, which means he got them already, he didn't forget them. So once he was Zoche, once he lifted them up, so now he forgot them after in the field, doesn't matter, the law of Shekha does not apply after the Bala Bayit lifted them up. That's why there's no D, that's why the top one is Patur. So the Gibraltar says, What are you talking about? Iyache, my idea al Gabehavero. What did you got to give a case where you have one stalk on another stalk? Which is, even if one, one stalk that's lying on the field, once the Balabai picks it up, he's Zochebo, so there's no Dinev Shekha, you don't got to give me a case because uh, one on top of the other. Even if they're just, just lying in the, by, by itself. Elam must be the reason is because it's self. The Gibraltar says, no. Really, you're right. We could have gave a case of just one stalk lying in the field where the guy picked it up once he picked it up his patur. The reason why we picked the case of one lying on the other is what? To come and tell you the hidush of what's the status of the bottom one. Because now you have a deen of tamun. So we're going to give you the tanakama. We have mahlukat in that between tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, we want to give you the hidush for the bottom one. That you have the machlokin as well between Tanakama and the Bishamon. That the bottom one is considered tamun. To give us, what are you talking about? So you tell me that the top one, the reason why it's patur, is because the owner was zochebo. But that's not the lashon of the Braita. The Braita said veham amar. The Braita clearly gave the reason that the top one is patur because it is floating, which is it's not on the ground. 
Ema mipnishi hu kitsaf, which means don't say the word saf. Say it's like saf, which means once he picked it up, so therefore once it was in his hands, so it's like it's floating, which means it's not on the ground, and which means he was zocher, but not the deen of saf itself. Which even though it's on the ground, we look at it as if it's in his hand because he was zocher. So therefore, we have no raaya to the law. That we asked originally, they have uh, omarim that are on a rock or things like that. Does the law of shekha apply or not? We tried to bring a raya, but we were unsuccessful. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar Abaye. Abaye said, Hareni. He says, Behold, I am in Pumpedita. That was a, a city in Babel. He said, but I am ready to answer any question from anybody that wants to ask. He said, I have clarity today. Keben Azai, like Ben Azai, who was very sharp, that was sitting in the Rashon, Teberia, in the marketplace of Tiberia, which is Ben Azai, was very, very sharp, he had clarity, and he would answer all questions in the marketplace of Tiberia. He says, Today, I'm like Ben Azai, ask any question, I will answer it. A certain rabbi asked Abayim, Shnei Halalim, you have, let's say, two corpses. Which means they're lying on top of each other. Now, one is a little drawn, let's say, to the right, and one is a little drawn to the left. Which means if you're going to measure from the top one, he's closer to one city. And if you're going to measure from the bottom one, he's going to be closer to a, another city. Each one is closer to a different city. Which means, which city brings the Eglarufa from which one of the corpses the measure? Now, What's the size of this question? Well, the bottom one might be considered tamun, because he's covered. There's a body on top of him. And because the top one is covering him. Therefore, we know we don't bring an agla'arufa on tamun. Now, we could also say that the top one is considered saf, because it's really not on the ground. And if we don't bring an agla'arufa on something that is saf, like the Mishnah said. Now, you can go the other way and say that. Since this is considered corpse on a corpse, so that's really considered min bimino. That is the same like items that are on top of each other. So maybe it's not considered a hefsek. And therefore maybe it does not have, does not have a deen of tamun and saf, because it's all considered one item. So it's all considered on the ground. And therefore it's not considered covered, and it's not considered floating. Now you can go along and say, well maybe the min bimino will make the bottom one tamun. And maybe the first one and the top one is still considered not saf, or maybe the opposite. Maybe the first one is considered saf and the bottom one is not considered tamun. There's many ways of looking at this question over here when you have two corpses on top of each other. So they asked Abaye what is going to be the deen. And the Gemara speaks it out. Mean bimino. Well, these are two like species. You have a corpse on a corpse. Have it. Have it tamun, which means. Maybe I'll tell you that it, even though it's min bimino, the bottom one is still considered tamun. However, umin bimino lo tzaf, but it still makes the which means well, I could say the bottom one is patur because it's considered tamun. However, I'll tell you maybe the top one, bottom line, it's still tzaf. It's not on the ground.
It's not going to be considered saf, because it's mim bimino, therefore I consider the top one lying on the ground, and therefore it's going to be, you have to measure from the top one. Again, the first side is to say, that maybe mim bimino, I don't care if it's, if it's two corpses, bottom line, one corpse is covering the bottom one, the bottom one is tamun. No pano eglarufa. But maybe the top one is not considered saf because it's, it's min bimino, and therefore it's like it's on the ground, therefore you have to measure from the top one. Or go the other way. Or dilma mimimino abitsaf. Or maybe no min bimino, it's considered as if it's floating the top one. However, umin bimino lo avi tamu, but I said maybe umin bimino is not considered covered. Therefore, the bottom one is not considered covered. The metachton modet or dilma or the third and the the sefik is what umin bimino avi tamu, umin bimino avi saf. Velo metachton modet, velo me'aliyon modet. Maybe don't measure not from the top and not from the bottom. The top is saf and the bottom one is tamu. So that is basically Gabriel's question. Amale. So he comes along at Bayi and he tries to answer the question. Is that he tua? We could learn this from a Braita. What does it say in the Braita? <coughs> Our case that we have, let's say. Omer Let's say he took uh, Omer, a measure of wheat, let's say. He picked it up, the owner, to bring it to the city. He put one piece of, uh, you know, one stalk on another stalk. And he forgot them there in the field. What do we say? The bottom one is considered Shekha, the top one is not considered Shekha. Why? The bottom one is not Shekha because it is Tamun and it's covered. And the top one because it's not on the ground, it's floating. Now, Savrua, so the rabbis of the Midrash try to explain this Mahalokit. The Hani which means these rabbis that are the Mahalokit on the Omer, the bottom one, is it considered Tamun or not? Which means could be they hold that that they hold what? That they agree that by Shikha, Tamun is Patrukas from the word of Sadeh. Now, my lab, the Mahalokit must be like everybody holds that Tamun is Patur. Also, what's the Mahalokit? Temor Sabar Min Bimin. That one shita is going to say that what that like species makes tamun, and therefore even though it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wheat on a wheat, it's, it's a stalk on a stalk, still the bottom one is considered tamun, and therefore since it's considered tamun, it's going to be patur. Umor sabar, and the other shita says lo tamun. No, when you cover something with a like item, that's not considered tamun, and therefore the law of shikha applies. Therefore, Abayek comes along and says. But your question that you ask when you have two corpses on each other, really, <coughs> it depends if Min Bimino makes the bottom one Tamun or not. This is the Mahalok already Bishamon. That they had a similar item, two like items, two stalks, one on top of each other. So one Chita says the bottom one is Patur because it's Tamun. And one says, no, it's Hayaf. So it must be the Mahalok the same thing is going to be by the case of the Agnarufa. When you have two corpses on top of each other, does the top corpse, even though it's, it's a like item, does it make the bottom one Tamun? If it does, it's going to be Patur. If it doesn't, it's going to be Hayav. So if we see it's a Mahlokat, that was Abayah's answer. Comes again and says, Lo, no, you have no raya. That's not the Mahlokat, Tanakam and Shimon, and by the case of these talks. Which means, if they hold like the Biyudarat, Tamun is Patur, I can say, the Alma, Min Bimino Abi Tamun. I would say, everybody's going to say that Min Bimino is Tamun, and therefore everybody will have said what? He's going to Patur. 
There's no deen of shikha. Also, what's the machlokat? No, the machlokat over here is, is there a law of tamun at all by the deen of, uh, by Omer? The Rabbanan, the rabbis that said, what, there is a law of shikha, get a banan. They all like the rabbis to say that there is a law of tamun by shikha, that it be Shimon, can it be Ben Yehuda, can it be Yehuda, be Shimon Yehuda, also like be Yehuda, that says that tamun is patu. So therefore you have no ra'aya. I can really tell you that that is indeed their mahluk. It is the law of tamun applied to <coughs> Omer or not. So the Gemara says, So if that's the case, Which is, where did you have to give a case of one stalk on another stalk? If you give me the regular mahluk, does the, word, does the law of tamun apply to uh, uh, Omarim of Shekha? What did you got to give me a case of one stalk on another stalk? Give me a case where even if, let's say... It's a, it's a, it's buried under straw or uh, stones or dirt. It also will be the same machlokin. Is there tamun or not? By shikha. You're right. The Brayta could have gave the machlokin in that case. Which means the Hiddush went to give you one stalk and another stalk to give me the Hiddush of Rabbi Yehuda to tell me that even when one stalk is on another stalk, the bottom one is still considered Tamun. Which means like this really, I could tell you, you have no Raya to our discussion of is Min Bimino. When you have two like items, does it make it Tamun or not? Because really, I could tell you that what? That if they held like the Biuda that says what? That says Tamun is Patur. By Omer. So I would tell you everybody's going to hold that what? That Min Bin Mino is considered Tamun. And therefore everybody would say Patur. The Mahlok over here is that who says that Tamun is Patur at all? And if I can tell you that the Mahlok of, of, of Tanakama and uh, Rabbi Shimon is the same Mahlok of the rabbis and uh, Rabbi Yehuda. Oh, so the Gibraltar, if that's the case, so give me a regular case of Tamun. Let's say the, the stalk is buried under, under earth. What well, do you got to give me a case of one stalk under another stalk? So teach me that even when a stalk is on a stalk, which is Mim Bimino, still the Yehuda is going to consider it Tamun, and he's going to say it is indeed Patur. Comes the Gibraltar, continues, Tanur Abana, we have a Braita. Halal, that says in the Pasuk, that you found a halal, which is a corpse. Now when you say the word corpse, it's master that he got killed by a kli barzel, by, by a metal uh, apparatus. Now, velo hanuk, as opposed to something that was, as they were strangled. Halal, the fact that it says halal, velo mefarper, as opposed to somebody that is still, let's say, quivering or shaking, which he's not dead yet. Badama velo tamun begal. Again, badama, as opposed to somebody that is buried under rubble. No fail, he fell to the ground, velo talui behlan, as opposed to hanging from a tree. Basade velo safa panamayim. Basade in the field, as opposed to flowing on water. Rabbi Eliezer Omer bechulan imaya halal orfin. Rabbi Elazar comes along and says, whether the guy is mefarper, or whether the guy is tamun underneath rubble, or the guy is hanging, or the guy is floating, so long as he was a halal, which means he got killed by a sword, I don't care where you found him. Bottom line, we go with the, the main word is halal, and therefore there is aglarufa. Tanya marbi yusib ribuda amru lo l'rabil azar. They told l'rabil azar, i atam odishim ya chanuk mutal ba'ashpash enorfim. Which means, don't you agree that if let's say he wasn't killed by a sword, let's say he was chanuk, he was choked, let's say he was found mutal ba'ashpash, he was just uh, lying in the uh, lying in the uh, literally it means the in the garbage dump. 
which is he just uh, thrown on the ground. He was not killed in a, uh, with, a with, 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 with a metal utensil. She'en orfin, that you don't do agarufa. Why? Alma halal velo chanuk. So you don't the word halal, that teaches me that tafka that way, halal, to a metal utensil, to a sword, as opposed to, let's say, if he's strangled, or something like that. Hachel amnis, so the same thing you should do this, ba'adama. Just like you do this the word halal, you should be do this the word adama, to teach me what? Velo tamun begal. As opposed to being tamun in a uh, under rubble, no fail and dores the word no fail also. Not hanging from a tree. Dores the word as well. Just like you dores the word halal, you should be dores the word as well. The other words of adama and no fail and sadeh comes again as over the azar halal yeterakiti. It says the word halal a few times. And therefore, since says it a few times, he's dores that word dafkar. The main item for Yilarufa, according to is how he was, how he died. But it means with the hadith. As opposed to where you found him and all that stuff, doesn't matter. So long as he's considered halal, the law of Yilarufa applies. If the Mishnah concluded and said, if let's say you found the corpse next to the border or to a city that the majority is goyim, there's no Yilarufa. So the question is, what's the reason? Halal says if you find it, pratlim matsui, finding it sounds like something that is irregular and something that's not normal. You found it, you came onto it, it's not not normal. Pratlim matsui, excluding something that is normally found. Now in a city, let's say that's majority of the kochavim, you're going to find corpses, or let's say next to the border, there's uh, corpses over there. That's a dangerous area. So therefore, that's not considered kiyim matsui. That's matsui. Therefore, the law of eglarufat does not apply. All in babetin, we said in the Mishnah. That you do not measure only to a city that has a betin. Because you have to fulfill what says in the Penasha, you need the elders of the city, which means the Sanadin of the city. So you can only measure to a city that has a Sanadin. It says, Mudidin, at the end of the Mishnah, it says, it says you only measure to a city that has a betin. And they give us pshita. Kevan detana leir sheen ba betin. You just told me that what that you don't measure to a city that does not have a betin. And I yadana deen mo leir sheesh ba betin. We have to tell me the opposite. You only measure to a city that has a betin. You told me the opposite. You said that you can't measure that you that that. Um, you don't measure to a city that doesn't have a betting. So automatically, I know that you can only measure to a city that has a betting. So therefore, the Mishnah is superfluous. How do you know, let's say the halal, the corpse was found next to a city that does not have a betin. That you leave it, that you measure it to the city that has the betin. The fact that it says in the pasuk ha'ir, the word, the pasuk ha'ir, from the fact that it says the city, the elders of the city, it just could have said its elders, Mikol Makom, which means you bring it to the you bring the Aglarufat to the closest city that has a betin. Which means the closest city that has a betin, even though let's say it's closer to one city, but that city doesn't have a betin. So that's the allusion of Mishnah. When the Mishnah says, and Mudidin Ela Le'ir, that you only measure to a city, which means even if let's say the closer city does not have a betin, doesn't matter. You measure it to, to the furthest city, but that is the closest city that has a betin. That's what's Mekol Makom, that's the closest one, that's what it teaches us as well. Says the Mishnah, Nimsa Mechuvan Ben Shte Ayarot. 
let's say you have the mit, this corpse that you found between two cities. It's exactly between the two cities. Which means it's not closer to one of them or the other. So it says, Shetehen Mivi'ot Agalot, So both cities have to bring an igla arufa. That's according to the Bili Aizir. Ve'en Yerushalayim igla arufa. A rule, Yerushalayim does not bring an igla arufa. The Gemara will explain. Nimsar Rosho Bimkom Echad. Let's say you found the guy's head, the corpse, right? His head's in one place, and his body is in another place. So you bring the head next to the body. He says the opposite. You bring the body next to the head. Now, we don't know what this is referring to. For what purpose? What are you moving heads? What are you moving bodies for? We'll wait for the Gemara to tell us what the purpose of this halakha is. From which part of the body do they measure? We said they have to measure to the closest city. From what part of the body? From the guy's stomach, from his navel. Rabbi Akiva Omer Mehotamor. Rabbi Akiva says from his nose. Rabbi Yaezer Ben Yaakov Omer Mehmakom Shena'asa Halal. From the place where he gets slain. Where is that? Mesavaro, meaning from his neck. That's where the, the blood comes out when a person gets slain. Usually they kill him in the neck, and that's where they uh, measure from. So it's a three way mahalokit. And where the measuring take place comes the Gemara and says, "My Tamad which means, what's the reason of the Bilayzer that said if the body is found precisely between the two cities? So he says both cities bring <coughs> an agla arufa. Kasabar if Well, first of all, he holds that it is possible to measure so precisely. That what? That it'll be really between two cities exactly. But she says. If Shalit Samsem is on the right column, Rashi in the Gemara, if Midah, which means it's possible to measure so precisely, the Emet Madidu. And you can say that they actually measured correctly. And you can really say that it's really exactly equidistant to the two cities. You can really say they are both karov. Which means, you're not going to say that one of them is close and they just made a mistake in how to measure. He says, no, it's really possible to measure so precisely that it is indeed possible to be exactly equidistant between the two cities. And when the Gemara says, when the Torah says, it says in the Torah that you bring the Agla Arufa. Who brings it? The city that is Kirova. Now Kirova is singular. But he says when it says the word Kirova, you can also understand it to mean Kirovot. Also in plural. That if there are two cities that are close, like a case of equidistant, it is also the Halakha that says they will both bring. Now, look at the Rashi, the Kasavar, Baram Rashi. The Kasavar, Name Kirova, Dikhtiv Bikrad. That which says Kirova, the closer city, Afilu Kirovot Bemashma. Which means it even means Kirovot, even if there are two cities that are close. Kemo, Ubhema Rabba. Which means in, in Sefer Yonah, it says the word Behema. Even though it's referring to behemot. So you see that sometimes you can use a singular language that means plurality. <coughs> he says, Because if you're going to hold that it's impossible to measure precisely, 
and kan kerova ela ahat. And really, it's only closer to one city. The ananu delo yadrina nemi nayu, and we don't know which one it is. Vavide lememari yaviu agla bishutafud. We would have said that they should bring in agla arufa in partnership. The yitnu, and they should make a condition. Im shelanu kerova al kechem yekanu ilanu. The im arichem kerova. Which means, if it wasn't for the Bidi'izid that said, it's possible to measure precisely, we would have said, you know what, it's, pretty, it's really probably closer to one of the two cities. We don't know how to measure so precisely. You know what we would have said? Let them bring a joint, and let them make a condition. If it's closer to our city, then the other city will be makne, their helik, to that city. And therefore, it's that city bringing the agla. And the opposite, if it's the other city that's closer, so therefore that city is bringing them, the other city will be makne, their helik, to them. But since the Bidi Aziz said it's possible to be uh, uh, it's actually possible to measure precisely when they mention they saw that it's actually equidistant you have to assume that what it's in between Mamash two cities and therefore what both cities will bring the Igla Arufa I it says Kerova it says the closer one singularly it means also Kerovot Ve'en Yerushalayim Ve'Igla Arufa Jerusalem does not bring an Igla Arufa De'Amar Kera Lirishta it says the Pasuk that the city that brings it, it, it you found it a, a dead body in the land that is your inheritance. This opinion knows that Jerusalem was not given to the Shevatim as an inheritance. Only the other parts of the land of Israel was inherited to the Jewish people. So therefore it's not given to inheritance. The law of Egla Arufa does not apply. Now we learned in the Mishnah, if you found his head in one place and you found the body in another place, do you bring the head to the body or the body to the head? So the Gemara says, What is the Mahlokan of it? What's the purpose of this Mahlokan? What do they mean? Maybe the discussion is for where do you measure? Do you measure from the head or do you measure from the body? We learned already the law of measuring at the end of the Mishnah. We have a three-year-old So obviously this law is not talking about measuring. Measuring is not till the end of the Mishnah. So what is this ma'lokit between the head and the body? We have a rule. That God forbid if there's a mit mitzvah that's a dead body that's found on the road that there's nobody to bury it. So where do you bury it? You bury it in the spot where it was found. That's a law of met mitzvah, a met mitzvah, kana mekomo, he acquires his place. Vahaki kamar, lekovrod, the discussion over here is when you find the head in one place, and the body in other words, where do you bury? Do you go after the head, or do you go after the body? Kana mekomo, vehekad dinim saro shobim kom echad, degufobim kom achad, right, when you find the body in one place, and the head in another place, molikina rosh etzelaguf. So the first shita says what? You bring the head to the body. And therefore, everything goes after the body. The very Bili Aizel. The Biakivame, Raguf, Etzelarosh. Biakivame says, no. You bring the, you bring the goof, you bring the body to the head. So it's a ma'lokin. Now what's the logic of this ma'lokin? It's a ma'lokin. Mor sabar gufe bidukhte nafil. Mor sabar, the first rabbi holds the Bili Aizel holds that what? When you slay a person, so the body falls where it falls. That's where he died, actually. And his head rolled. So therefore, the real place of death is where the body is. So therefore, it goes after the body. says, no. When you slay a person, so they chop him in his head. So the head falls where it falls. But what happens? But before the body actually dies, the guy's running. And therefore his body falls somewhere else. But the place of death is where the head is. So it's a different way of looking at where the death took place. So according to this shita, the head fell where it died. 
but the body's still running to try to run away. There's still some inertia over there. So therefore, you take it after the head. So where do they measure? So we have three machlokets. Some say from the chotam, uh, from the nose, from the nostrils. Some say from the tabur, uh, from the actual uh, uh, the navel of the body. Right? And some say actually from the savar. That's the place where he got slain. What is the root of this machloket? Mor savar ikar hiyuta be'apit. First you test is the main life. Where does life come from? From the breathing. Where is the breathing from? From the nose. So therefore you measure from the ikat part where the life is. And that is in the, uh, by the uh, nose. Now she says, Hilkar, ikar halal mikri. That's really where the halal, that's where the corpse, that's where a person is slain from. So you have to measure from the halal. Where does a person die from? He dies from the lack of breathing. Different comes from the nose. And the other she says, no. The ikar comes from the act Actual taboo that's from the from the navel. <coughs> so the Gemara says, Lema Let us say that the machloket, whether you count from the nose or the navel, let us say it's, it's, it's based on the following machloket. <coughs> which is when a baby is born. Where is he born? Where is the first part of the body that is created? Where does where does life begin from? Middle show. Well, it starts from the head. From my mother's womb, you created me from my head. How do we know the word gozi is head? Cut your head. So you see, a gozi is actually a head. So you see over here that one, life starts from the head, which means the hotam from the, from the nostrils. That's the head. No, it says life begins from the navel. Then it spreads its roots up and down, which is the center of the body is the starting point of the body. Then it sends its roots upward and downward. So now we want to say that this mahloket, where life begins in the womb, is the mahloket where you, you measure a corpse. I can even say that a bashaul that says life begins with the navel, he was only discussing where life begins, which means where your child is created from. He's created from the center. But where is life sustained from? Everybody will agree that life is from the breathing from the natural. Where is where is the spirit of life? from his nostrils. Everybody could agree that what? That indeed you measure from the nostrils. Don't just because you have a look at where life begins in the womb does not necessarily say that they're going to argue when it comes to where you measure from. You measure from the neck. That's the place where he becomes a halal, which means if he's slain, we learned earlier that the only time you do agla uh, arufa, he has to be slain with a metal instrument, right, with a head or something, that's, that's called the halal. So where is that from the neck? Mike Tamad Abid Ezbin Yaakov, he said, Latet otak il savere halale rishaim. So it says, when it says the word halal, a corpse, a slain body, and it says, savare halale rishaim, the neck of the halale rishaim, so you see that uh, halal becomes a halal from the neck, therefore you measure from that part of the body. Baruch Adwan Amen, Amen.